Reading FC fell to back-to-back defeats at home this week as Sheffield United edged an improved Royals display before the doldrums returned against Millwall on Saturday. Welcome to the Tireless M Podcast, episode 331. I'm your host, Mark Mayer. As per usual, joining me this week to talk about, well, Fortress breached, I think it's probably fair to say. The home form didn't quite carry us through this week. Is Ross Weber of the Tireless End blog and website. How's it going, mate? Yeah, I'm doing uh, well. I'm doing about as well as I, I can be doing after a, a tricky week for Reading. But, uh, you know, always good to have a chance to air that dirty laundry rather than dwell on it, I suppose. Yeah, well, we're just talking off about the fact we've got an international break coming up. So we've got plenty of a uh, couple of games this week coming up, which will be certainly important that we'll be discussing later. Have the recap coming up, a little bit of mailbag, bit of news bites as well. And uh, yeah, nice, nice, neat little package that we can put together of a podcast this week. Before we get into the recap, thank you to our sponsors, ZCZ Films and our Patreon subscribers. So let's get into the recap and talk about two defeats at home. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films, Reading's oldest ultras. So where do we start with these two defeats? And really, I mean, the I remember talking last week with uh, Westy Ross that um, when we went to Middlesbrough and put out a really quite attacking team, it was a case of, well, fair enough. I'm glad that we're seeing it, seeing this sort of stuff happen. Things didn't go our way. Obviously, we did put in a very good performance, got hammered. And then I'm actually finding myself in the position this week of looking at the team sheet and certainly the kind of setup with this kind of 3 4 1 2 and actually not being too disappointed by it at all. I was actually kind of thought this is a good way of going, having, you know, a, a proper attacking midfielder in Ince and then. McIntyre Hendricks sat deep with Carroll and Long up front. You know, three centre backs, the varying quality, yes, but you know, two wing backs that can get up and down quite easily. I was kind of content with the lineups. And I guess if we certainly think, I think say say certainly, I do think that as Reading fans with the Sheffield United game, we kind of came out of that with quite a good atmosphere. It felt like just one of those games against a better team and all, you know, the club that's been in the Premier League for a couple of years um, mm-hmm. recently. We came out of that one feeling okay, didn't we? I think that one, yeah, wasn't too um, too concerning. I think that the difference in that game was, you know, McBurney and, and Dye versus Carroll and Long, really. And once the chances came, aim for them or they were able to craft their own chances really just the two of those players together you know they're pretty special forwards um i'm not sure if they're premier league quality i'm not sure if mcburney's premier league quality but and die you know good player and sheffield yeah like you're saying they've come out of the premier league pretty recently we know what oliver norwood can do a lot of good players um and and fodderingham was forced into some good saves so yeah i think that by the end of that game we were reasonably positive uh 12 12 shots on that game so that's uh, a big improvement, obviously, on uh, something you know in, in an area that Reading haven't been doing so great recently. But still, beaten unexpected goals uh, by one point four to zero point five. So I mean, um, <laughs> better, but kept in check by a, a quality championship side. I think. Yeah, and then we get to Millwall, and I think, I mean, basically the same lineup was it unchanged. Can't remember exactly, but the um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so we go into this game and was it, I think Millwall are on better form than Sheffield United, aren't they? I mean, they're sixth in the league. Sheffield United have had a bit of a drop-off, so they're not at their peak, but they're still obviously a good team. So Millwall, do we, 
do we maybe come into this game as fans because it's Millwall? I know they've got a really good record against us and I'm not for a second thinking that we come in expecting to win easily, etc. But the fact that we fall to another 1-0 defeat and it did come from, I mean, I think that the goal has been kind of pinned on Nabi Saar and actually I think that Lumley and Saar and probably a couple of other defenders need to take the blame for it. What Joe Lumley yeah. thinks he's going to do taking you know even if he gets his hand on the ball there he's probably going to be outside the box because it was so or could have been outside the box because it was so tight with that and then he obviously takes the man and penalty etc so having already given yeah. the ball away it's without that would Reading have taken what we would have considered a good point or was that the fact that Millwall scored that goal actually just a symptom of their general like superiority I think um, so. Firstly, I, I agree with you that like Lumley's got to take some responsibility there. I think it's just a, a communication mix-up between all of them, and I think Lumley's found himself in a part of his box that he maybe shouldn't be in. But hey, I mean, you know, I'm not a goalkeeping coach. Maybe I'm off with that. Um, yeah, with the with the game today, I, I, with the game yesterday, I would have been excited to. Well, not excited, but I would have been interested to see what that would have looked like if Millwall hadn't scored in the first half. If they'd had to do a little bit more, it just seemed to me that um, they were not the they nowhere near as talented as Sheffield United on Tuesday, but they were canny. They knew what they were doing. They they slowed the game down. Um, one of the one of the hardest pieces of football to watch in a little while um, <laughs> that I think we saw against Millwall yesterday. It wasn't exactly exciting um and and they just kept us at an arm's length the whole game they they knew what we were going to do they knew that we didn't really have much of a cutting uh attack through the middle uh reading produced 0.04 expected goals and two shots total in the entire game yesterday um and really i think it's just because millwall just didn't let us anywhere near their box they didn't let us anywhere near an area in which we could be dangerous and and that's the real issue right now for reading is that it's fine to have uh players who are a little bit limited in the way that long and carol are but if you're going to play with those kinds of players you need to come up with some sort of system that's actually going to try and get the best out of them um on tuesday we managed to get a few decent headers out of andy carroll towards the net that's what we're looking for out of him if we are going to go towards him but this game just nothing going on to really push the ball into an area where we could be dangerous i i feel that we could have gone for hours and hours and not scored yesterday so yeah a little bit of a false dawn on tuesday and a frustrating way to uh to go into to start the weekend i suppose yesterday yeah jake cooper looking pretty nifty at the back i don't know who yeah. would have let that guy go for like 200 grand and and you know, if he if he comes to your academy, you you'd want right. to keep hold of him as opposed to selling him and bringing in <laughs> someone like Denzel Gravenberch. I think is basically the sort of player. We, yeah, that's not. Did we actually even sell Jake Cooper? Or did he? Yeah, just go on no, it break? was like two hundred grand or something okay. like that. It was it, he, he'd gone on loan for like a year and a half, maybe. But yeah, okay. that's so we did get some money for crisps in the team shop or something like that. Yeah, we got a few new bootlaces off the back of Jake Cooper, which, you know, that's what can we complain about with that? Um, but yeah, I mean, for, for the Millwall game, I think like, you know, we're, they are sixth of the league and everything. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of keen to, this is kind of my question to work out, right? Is that 
we are 12 points clear of the drop zone, I think, at the moment. Yeah, six yep. if you include this supposed points deduction, to which could happen any day, I guess, could happen tomorrow by the time you're listening to this, even when, that, as we record it, there is no sense that it will happen tomorrow. Um, no. So six points clear if we consider that. And, you know, they're both in the playoffs and stuff. And is is it just a case that actually we can kind of performance aside? And I know obviously people want to go and be entertained and everything. And I'm I'm probably going to give sound a bit like Paul Lintz here. But is it not actually that the whole game next weekend matters so much more in the sense that if we go to Blackburn on Wednesday and we put in a performance that we probably expect to probably going to get beat, but Hull at home... If we put in, if we lose one nil at, at home to Hull, and we put in a worse performance because that's probably what it would require to lose at home to Hull, then that's yeah. that would be unforgivable, wouldn't it? Whereas there, there is just a bit of wriggle room against a Millwall team that is ahead in after eleven minutes and just sits in and just does all of the dirty work, sixty-one percent pass completion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's a yeah. bit more forgivable in a way, isn't it? It's a bit. It's just where we're at. I, I just, uh, but with Millwall, do you wonder? So the Sheffield with Sheffield and Millwall that we saw this week, I felt like we saw two very different top six teams. In Sheffield, we saw a team that actually has the quality and can affect the game when they want to. They were really off their game, I thought, on Tuesday for a long period. Or, or Reading managed to shut them down pretty well, or at least managed to attack pretty well to a point. Um, but they at least look like they had quality. Millwall, I just sort of wonder if they've just worked out, you know what I mean? If I say like they've worked out the meta for the league in the, you know, get a goal, sit on it, um, you know, make sure that you're sending all of the, uh, all of the attacks from the opposition down the wings. And then when they chuck the ball into the box, cause that's their only option where you've got Jake Cooper there, uh, waiting to, to clear it out. So that one worried me a little bit more. I, I have to say definitely like Reading have had trouble breaking down a low block this season, but I, I'm, I'm not convinced that Millwall are the same in terms of a top six team, the, the Sheffield United were. Um, and then this week with the games coming Blackburn. Yeah. I mean, like I'm expecting, I'm not expecting a result at Blackburn. I'd, I'd love a point. Um, I'd, I'd really love even more. But the thing to remember, we beat Blackburn 3-0 at the start of the season. You know, it's in these players to do something like that when they're positive, when they have that attitude that they can go out and actually attack and they're not going to be constantly pinned down defensively. Um, so, I mean, like, it would be nice to see us attack Blackburn, but I do agree that if we can't get at least a very good point against Hull, um yeah, you've got to really wonder about Paul Lins's position then, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I wish I understand. We'll talk a bit about Paul Lins in the mailbag just coming up. I'm just wondering as to, you know, I think that the the thing with Millwall and what you kind of described there, with I, I really feel like Millwall is the team that Paul Lins wants us to be. Yeah. In terms of the management, and yeah, they don't have the most quality, but they work hard, they defend well and everything. And I'm not sure Paul Lins is necessarily capable of doing what, Gary Rowett has done, and Gary Rowett is a, you know, let's face it, a very good championship manager everywhere he has right. gone, has done okay at pretty much things that Stoke he did badly at. But yeah, that's just where I think that it, it, it's a bit of a sign as to what we kind of aren't. And, you know, I think that people are very right to sit back and think, well, I'm bloody furious that we're not as good as a Millwall team that has probably got the maybe even a smaller wage bill than us, or certainly not a, you know, certainly not spent loads of money on players, but. 
I mean, let's uh, let's just get through this season, I guess, is kind of where I'm at now. It's a little bit sad that kind of mid-March our season is effectively over, but I guess the BFL might have something else to say about that. So yeah. let's um, not take this position for granted because we're 16th in the league. Let's go into the mailbag now, talk about uh, some questions that you guys have for us this week. Very good performance. In, in, in different, a different type of performance to um, Tuesday. Um, we knew how we were going to play. That mean, they make it tough for you. Um, get a goal in, but for me, it's disappointing. Thing was it was always going to be one of those games where it's going to take a mistake, and unfortunately, we make the mistake. Yeah, and you can't make mistakes at any level. Um, so for us to for us to make to us to make the mistake um, falls falls into Millwall's hands because we've seen with this team there that once they score a goal, they kind of defend for their lives. They get men behind the ball, and it's hard to beat. You know what I mean? Keep up to date with all things Reading FC. Follow the Tilehurst End on Facebook and Twitter. Just the one question this week. Ben Thomas, a friend of the show, usual guest, of course, um, has sent us saying, has Paul Lintz underachieved um, and did Velko Paunovic? Um, and, you know, I, I don't have much. I think that if you look at the table, you can't say that Paul Lintz is underachieved because 16th is kind of like the point of this season to get to 16th and to be right. eight points or whatever, sorry, 12 points clear with the um, drop zone. So I don't think he's underachieved. I think it's just with Paul Lintz, it comes down to the fact that we are just like kind, we kind of scrap home wins and that's great. But then away from home, we are just dreadful and keep doing the same thing. And then, yeah, it just doesn't work. I think that, yeah. The comparison of kind of Paunovic, on the other hand, the results were just flat out terrible, apart from like basically the first eight games that he had. Right. So I don't think that Paul Lintz is underachieved. I think for for me, the kind of the, the thing about Paul Lintz is where does it go from here? If you look back mm-hmm. on the last 36 games, largely you would say that he's done a perfectly good job. I think that for fans, the question is what happens next? Yeah. And and on that, the thing that really worried me, um, obviously, like Paul Lentz has said some things in post-match comments recently that have gotten some uh, gotten some eyebrows raised among Reading fans. For sure, he likes to go on about the referee while assuming, assuring us that he doesn't like to go on about the referee fairly frequently. But the real comment that worried me yesterday was when he said that uh, the main creativity of the team comes from Thomas, obviously being his son, Tom Ince. Um, that concerned me a lot and it, because it made me think that he's thinking about ways to affect games in terms of players rather than structures, uh, roles that players can play and trying to build some sort of attacking uh, impetus through the way the team plays rather than one particular player. I think Tom Ince has been amazing for us this season. Um, ever since he came in, really, he's hit, what, 50 games now? Um, and it's tough to remember a bad game for Tom Ince. So I certainly very much appreciate everything that he's done for us. And really, the Ince is coming in at the time they did may, may well have saved the football club from, from relegation and, and worse. So that's great. Tom Ince is not a good enough player to be the main source of your creativity in the championship anymore, in my opinion, especially not playing in that number 10 role. He can run with the ball pretty well. Uh, He can shoot the ball pretty well. He 
he's a second or two behind on the key decisions that make the key passes available to you uh, as an attacking player consistently. Uh, he struggles to find balls in behind the defense for Long or for Carroll. Long, by the way, who had a pretty good week, I thought, and was very unlucky to be hooked um, with an hour gone in, in both games because he was moving around really quite sprightly like um, for a lot of it. And I just... <sighs> Yeah, so partially it's that it worries me that he's thinking about one player in terms of where the creativity comes from. And it worries me too that he's picked uh, Tom Ince for that because I think that, you know, if you gave a little bit more license to Nesta Guinness-Walker uh, by maybe shifting the the defense so that it, it, it's a little bit lopsided and it moves over to a four at the back when we're in possession to allow Guinness-Walker to get forward more or you play Aziz in a position where he's actually going to be dangerous rather than hamstringing him in a defensive role. Um, these are ways in which you can bring some more creativity into your team. We may concede a few more goals, but I, I think that, uh, yeah, there's no future in just asking a 31-year-old player, if he is 31, I think, Tom Ince, or 30 maybe, um, there's no future in just like saying that's where our creativity is coming from. Um, the championship and getting out of it is all about building a style of play that really works for you, that can lead you on to a run of momentum and relying on Tom Ince's right foot is not a style of play. Uh, it's a, it's a smash and grab mentality in my opinion. So I I'm, st I'm starting to have some concerns about where this goes. Yeah, I think the thing that I'd add to that is that for the rest of the season, we've got, you know, Carroll and, and Long. I think Meite's out for a little bit with Zhao, and Zhao's yeah. not been able to do anything under Paul Lentz. So he's kind of, even. I think he did look a bit bit sharp off the bench. Um, I thought he looked better yesterday. Yeah. yeah, he did. But I think just in terms of how he's going to build the team, I think that it's it's a collection of individuals almost. And the fact that Tomitz yeah. has excelled in that is not too much of a surprise because he is a talented individual but it's just about kind of knitting together the the fact that you need to hit long balls to Andy Carroll the fact you need to put balls in behind for Shane Long the fact that yeah. Tom Ince wants it to feet and then do stuff it's bringing all that together is genuinely difficult and, I, and I'm not surprised that Paul Ince has struggled to do that but um I mean where it kind of goes from here I think I think that he should stick with the with the three four one two because I do think yeah. that having just Cowell up front on his own, even if Ince is the man off him and such, I don't think that's much of a way to go in the championship. And, you know, I, I think that if he persists with Long and Cowell up front, I'd hopefully understand that. Maybe he maybe put Zhao and Long up front. Maybe I that would work. I was just going to say but... that, Mark. That's how, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Long and uh, Zhao up front next time is something I'd like to see, just because I think that Zhao, with players around him, he can move the ball between his feet quite quickly and and move it on. He was doing that reasonably well yesterday. And Carroll, though, once he gets that ball, is uh, not sprightly, not agile necessarily. Whereas in uh, not in sorry, Long was uh, uh, much quicker. Uh, I think he could work quite well off Zhao. Yeah, well, let's see what happens with that. We'll talk about the Blackburn game in just a minute. Let's go into some news bites and update what's going on around the club this week. For all the latest Reading news, analysis and opinion, visit the website at thetilehurstend.com. 
So let's do the other teams that have been playing uh, last couple uh, days then. Um, Under-21s are one all the way Cardiff. They are up against Watford and Swansea away this week. I think that's Tuesday and Friday. Um, they're third in the league, the Press Professional Development League. Um, so a decent little bit, bit of uh, form for them. Under-18s are sixth in their league. Two all draw with Millwall. They also go to Watford on Tuesday. I don't know if they're like... The under 21s and under 18s play at the same time or what have you i don't maybe it's just coincidence i, I don't know but um yeah so that's the situation with them the women's team are in action about an hour after we record this podcast so they're playing arsenal in the wsl um as always go and check out the tyler stand and just the wedding fc women's twitter to find out what went on with that but are naturally unlikely that reading would get a result if they do it'd be great news having beaten west ham 2-1 last week and they are next at home sunday that's chelsea in the fa cup quarterfinals at 2 p.m so Actually, this was a real good chance for Reading to get, and still is a real good chance for Reading to get uh, to Wembley for an FA Cup final, which would have been amazing um, and would be amazing. Alas, Chelsea are like the best team in the country. So, Here's, given a, here's a question for you, Mark. Sorry to, to cut you off. When uh, when Buzanis uh, is watching the Arsenal ladies against the Reading ladies, which team do you think he supports? Because his, his fiance Steph Catley, plays for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's a good question, actually. Um, just one day, if, if Reading get to the, um, to the FA Cup final, I think... Arsenal still in the FA Cup Women's FA Cup can't remember but um, if we were to play them in the FA Cup final that would be a good uh, pre-game interview wouldn't it to get yeah, sure. team booze in this on the Reading YouTube channel um, but yeah that's good that's a good point um, so yeah we've got it is at the Select Car Leasing Stadium 2pm um, next Sunday definitely get down to that one can't I mean there'll be a decent bumper crowd but we can't make it all Chelsea fans can we because they'll bring a few so um, yeah hopefully Reading can go in go into that game um, on a bit of form against Arsenal. They've done all right. I mean, earlier in the season, Chelsea, they only lost by one goal and Man United only beat, beat them by one goal. So hopefully a bit of form picking up there um, for a good FA Cup performance next weekend. Right, Reading have two performances to come up with for the senior men's team this week. Let's talk about them now in big match preview. Be loud and be proud and back the boys and make some noise. Come on, you ours! Shout out to this week's podcast sponsor, ZCZ Films, showing that age is no barrier to being a hooli hoop. So 7.45pm on Wednesday, it's live on the Sky Sports app slash red button, Blackburn away. Blackburn, who are just like one of the weirdest teams in the league this season. Zero yeah. goal difference in the uh, fifth place um, at the moment. What they do on the weekend, they had a... 3-2 loss. 3-2 loss to Stoke on on Friday night. So that actually ended a um a run of wins for them. They'd run they'd won four in a uh, in a row um before that as well as going to Leicester and getting a result in the FA Cup. So they they, they they're doing all right but they are still just that weird team that has only four draws this season. We've only got five. Um yeah. so don't bet on a draw basically for this game or maybe you should. At home they have a good record. They've won 12 of 17. That's that year's better than us. Basically, one of the better teams in the league. But they've only scored 23 goals out of that 17, conceded 13. So it all kind of suggests that there's there's something in that for Reading because when if Reading are playing a team that isn't great at scoring, the fact that we're not great at defending would 
mitigate itself somewhat. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, we dominated them in a 3-0 win earlier in, in the season. I think that's still our best performance of the season. And that Great. actually came about from a from a high press, getting in their faces and stuff. So there is there's something in that for Reading. Yeah, like I was saying, I um they're definitely a, a a better team than us overall. They have been this season, but um I don't think there's any reason we can't get at Blackburn. Um I think it's a really interesting league this season, isn't it? In that we've seen teams like Middlesbrough just have an awful start and then come good. Same with West Brom. Um there seems to be like I mean, momentum goes a long way in football, but um there seems to be a lot of teams who are there or thereabouts. So I think we can have a go at Blackburn um but yeah it's it's definitely going to be a tricky game it's, it's not the one where by like i need a win or it's it's curtains for paul Lentz. um but there's no reason we can't have a go at them um but yeah interesting they're not scoring too much because with, with brereton diaz um i always think of them as quite a high scoring team but clearly not this season yeah they concede a lot of goals away from home has to be said 28 compared to what was it uh 13 at home oh so mm. yeah they they are a decent home team the second best home team in the league according to the form book anyway so it's certainly one that Reading can't it just rock up to and expect a good result and um we have however won four of our last five meetings against Blackburn um I've introduced recently the pre the big match preview trivia question so you can tell me uh, Ross, who was the last Reading player to score a winner at Ewood Park in front of fans? Now, I say in front of fans because oh. we went there over COVID and won, but there was a, a victory previous to that, which fans celebrated in the 90th minute. Who scored it? Oh, man. Yeah, because I was thinking of that game where Yakumete scored in front of no fans in like 10 seconds or something. Um, oh, man. We're having to go before that. Oh, I'm struggling. John Swift? Not a million miles away, actually. It was George Evans. Oh, oh, okay. Wow, yeah. That is a Which I think ago. was in the Yapstam season. I should have checked that when I wrote down the, the result that we had. It's a 3-2 win. Um, last minute, George Evans pops up and buries it and uh, sends, the, nice. sends the away fans ha- home happy. So that was... Um, that, yeah, that, it, it's a place that we've had a reasonable amount of success again. So we'll be back after the whole game. So let's have a quick chat about that as well. Um, where we are at the moment, they're 15th. Um, we're 16th. They are pretty mediocre on the road. I mean, yeah. in the top half of the table just, but not won any of their last five on the road in the championship. Five wins out of 18. Um, as I said earlier in the show, I mean, this just whatever way you cut it is a must win for Reading. Yeah, no, I, I agree. This is the one for me whereby um, if Paul Lentz has another performance like we did yesterday, um, whereby we're we're not able to produce a single shot on target, then I think that Bowen's going to have a decision to make given that this game leads directly into the international break. Um, I'd be looking for really at least two points from this entire week. If not, you know, it would be nice to get three, maybe a loss against Blackburn, but Hull... It needs to be a win so that we don't sit for two weeks with no games, really, you know, wondering about whether we're going to be able to put together the form to um, just just cruise away from that relegation zone and make sure that it's not a problem this season. Um, if we get four points this week, if we get maybe even more than that, then I think that Ince is probably going to last until the end of the season. But uh, if we can't get 
if we can't get at least a, you never want to say like, you know, at least a win because it's a difficult league. Like I was saying, like there's a lot of great teams, but we really needed a win now uh, just to like allay some fears around the club. And if we can't get it, it's probably going to be time to start thinking about uh, whether ends can last until the end of the season for me. Um, definitely that's up for debate, but th- that's where I'm at. Yeah, fair enough. So I think um, the last time we played Hull was just before an international break, wasn't it? And we scored a last, was that a last oh, minute yeah. Andy Cowell own goal kind it's of like own, own deal? goal off somebody's butt or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe history can repeat itself because that'd be oh, nice, right. wouldn't it? To always, We always beat Hull going into an international break could be a yeah. nice, <laughs> nice theme for this, uh, for this podcast. Um, let's do some predictions to round off the show then. Nobody said we'd lose to Millwall. Um, uh, the Prediction League, myself, Ollie, Westy, Handbags and Adam all said we'd lose Sheffield United. So that's uh, pretty much most of us. Um, what are you going to say for Blackburn then, Ross? All right. So Blackburn, I'll go with a 2-2. I, I need some excitement in my life after that Millwall game yesterday. Cool. For Blackburn, oof, I'm going to go for a 1-0 defeat. Because that just that fits. That is like basically if a computer was to take all of the stats in and then organize or create a result, it would probably spit out one nil Blackburn. <laughs> so that's probably one of the the most obvious answer. So I'll stick with that. I think that's fair enough. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a week that Reading can can certainly make the most of. I think it's just going away from home at the moment. I'm just really struggling to kind of find that, oh, maybe we'll nick something because let's face it, three wins out of 18 and five defeats on the spin doesn't suggest that's what's happening. So hopefully I'll be proved wrong. Um, It's always great to have you on, Ross. Thanks for coming on this week. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Really had a great time. Uh, Better time chatting with you than I did watching Reading yesterday. (laughs) Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back, as I say, after the whole game where we'll be going into an international break we'll be with you over the international break at some point though for a little tweet that we'll be talking about next week but for the meantime thank you for listening and come on you ass. <laughs>